0: But without financial literacy, you're gonna, you have, you have to make so many decisions when you're running a business. And really a lot of them are around making sure that your cost structure is appropriate to the business that you're running and your pricing and your revenue is, is appropriate. So without financial literacy, you're just at risk of kind of making decisions blindly. So you won't really know, um, you know, one of the things that I think people struggle with a lot is like, how much should I spend on marketing? And
1: how do you make right. this decision? And when? And right. When, when, exactly. when is the right time?
0: This podcast is brought to you by Dentons. We are the largest law firm in the world with offices in more than 200 locations across 80 countries available to support you everywhere you do business. We are a law firm that embraces change and can help you grow, protect, operate, and finance your organization, which is why Dentons is organized to offer more than just legal insight. We're here to help you find
1: business solutions in a seamless fashion across the globe. Hi, everyone. My name is Heather Barnhouse, partner and lawyer in our Edmonton office. Welcome to my podcast, where I explore the topic of women in entrepreneurship and leadership and the ecosystem supporting the growth of this segment. Today, I'm joined by Carolyn Sissons, founder and CEO of Finance Learning Lab. Welcome, Carolyn. Hi, welcome. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited to be here. Great. Well, we're excited to talk to you. Can we start off by having you give our listeners a little bit of background about yourself?
0: Absolutely, sure. So I am the, as you mentioned, the owner of Finance Learning Lab, and I kind of went through a slightly less conventional path to move into entrepreneurship. I worked a very traditional corporate role until about a year or so ago. I was an accounting and finance director with a large energy company, and um, it's been about a year or so that I've been running my own business. I do everything from virtual CFO and some bookkeeping support to actually launching a kid's product to help kids learn all about financial literacy. So really what I'm passionate about is all things financial literacy and helping female founders make sense of their numbers. So that's
1: a little bit about what I've been up to. That's really exciting. You mentioned that your your background or your training was sort of within the energy and utility company space um, and then focusing kind of on, on the finances of, of those companies. Why is that so important in such a regulated industry to understand those financial metrics? And then as you moved out onto your own, how does that translate into, I mean, not every entrepreneur runs a business in that regulated industry, but how, does, how did that background set you up to knowing the metrics and the, you know, the opportunities for entrepreneurs more generally.
0: Absolutely. So really what what I ended up seeing during a lot of my time in the energy space is people that are running large energy companies, they have advisors. You know, they really have um, our finance and accounting departments. They are really set up to be strategic advisors to these people so they can understand their budgets, They can make better decisions. They can really, um, really understand the financial implications of any of the regulation changes that they're making. And the thing that really struck me was small business owners and and solopreneurs just don't have access to that same kind of advisory skill set. You know, it's it's something that, you know, there's some really great CPA firms out there but the business model makes it one that it's really really challenging for um, these the smaller businesses and and particularly companies in their first few years when they're're not necessarily making a whole lot it's really hard for them to access the financial advice that they need to run a business and that's really whenever you need the financial advice the most right it's when you're making decisions about how do I price my product how do I get financing how do I how do I do all of these things and and set up the accounting and finances myself it's it's really that segment of the market that most needs the help, but the traditional model doesn't really enable them to get access to to those support services, those financial advice. So that's kind of the sweet spot that we're going after with Finance Learning Lab is those people that kind of trying to be able to give them access to a virtual CFO and give them, you know, not just looking after their books, but really give them um, more insight to understand their numbers um, in in a model that um, also allows them to do it. Affordably, right, where where they don't have to break the bank and and worry about you know the hourly billable rate that they would be charged working with with a bigger uh, CPA firm.
1: Yeah, that's that's really interesting because I think I think you nailed it uh, when you made the comment that. that oftentimes these entrepreneurs aren't surrounded by a whole team of trusted advisors on a day-to-day basis. Whereas in some of these larger companies, this is of course a generalization, but in some of these larger companies, there's a team, right? There's a C-suite, you've got the marketing department, you've got the finance department. And that finance department, whether people really realize this or not, is is comprised of more than just one person. So it's not just either your bookkeeper or, you know, the person who does your yearly financial statements. There's a whole range of, of skill sets in that department. That help provide support to you know the CFO or to whoever to the management team to be able to to make educated decisions, and in and that that is probably one of the last things that comes into play in a smaller business because, you know obviously finances are stretched and people are making the best that they can with what they have, and and they they might not even know that that's a. Uh, a missing element of the team that they're that they're dealing with um and so i think i think that's that's really intuitive to be able to say you know we can come in on an ad hoc basis and provide that support because for many companies it wouldn't be something that would be needed sort of on a day-to-day basis but maybe monthly or maybe you know quarterly to be able to really help them translate the numbers that they're seeing or the metrics that they are measuring into performance indicators or performance metrics to help them move the needle on the business.
0: That's exactly it, right? That's exactly it. It's you you're when you're running a small business, even if you have a, a very small team with you, I mean you don't have access to the entire suite of of services that you would have if you're in a large corporation. So you're really doing everything on your own, but you also, it's not really practical for you to truly be hiring. You know, most times whenever someone looks to hire a virtual CFO, I mean, they're working for them on a part-time basis. You really don't necessarily need that. That can sometimes be overkill, but sometimes you just want to be able to bounce something off and say like, you know, should we spend this much money on marketing or, you know, am I ready to start paying myself a salary or you know is this a good dividend or should we reinvest in the company sometimes you just really have those one-off type of questions that it's hard for you to be able to get access to someone that can answer those things for you so yeah we kind of try to fill that sweet spot for for smaller businesses
1: yeah really, really interesting and i think a really important um and, and often overlooked uh, uh, skill set. And, and also one that I think maybe people don't fully understand is available, right? So because as you say, like you might have a, a one-off question, I need to know, whether I should pay myself as an owner, like in the form of dividends or should I pay myself a salary? And once you've made that decision, you can probably move on. But until you've made that decision, you know, you, you still are, have that turmoil about, about that decision point, right? And so knowing that there's that there are people who can help you at those decision forks, right? At the, at the fork in the road, make the decision, then you can go back to really focusing on, on your business without having to invest in a full-time CFO, for example. Um, but but really be able to to find you know solve your pain point at the time that you uh, that you have that pain point Exactly. And that's partly
0: what we, um. the other thing that we actually did, I think I forgot to mention is we launched a YouTube channel because the reality is you can't necessarily help every single solopreneur, every single female founder out there. So we kind of said, what can we possibly do to be able to at least help people think through some of those decisions themselves? So we've done probably 40 or 50 educational videos we put together on our YouTube channel just to kind of answer some of the questions around, you know, should I start charging GST? When do I start charging? How do I set it all up? And and like you were mentioning, the salary and dividend type of question. And you know how do we try to address? For me, one of the things I'm super passionate about is financial literacy because um, surprisingly, like even in 2020, 2021, there's been studies from the OECD that's found that you know, even basic financial literacy we we're, we're nowhere near hitting even basic financial literacy and the the level of literacy that you need to understand your numbers as a business owner is way beyond even financial is is beyond basic financial literacy so i really think that we we need to help equip owners business owners to be able to understand those things and understand them in a way that they don't feel um like they don't feel intimidated by asking the questions that they can kind of say like this is normal to not know the answer to it. And and you don't have to feel like an imposter and like, why don't I know this? Like you don't get taught that. So, so I think we really need to make a big effort to share this information and really like democratize it
1: for sure. And I, I, and I, you know, I was going to say, I like, I think there are many entrepreneurs who who might have some shame or they might think like, Oh, I feel like maybe I should know about some of these basic financial things. But like when I think back to my schooling where do you learn financial literacy it's not something that's like even at the basic level like you might learn some basic budgeting and things but that's not entirely the same thing i mean it's a component of but it's not entirely the same thing as as financial literacy and then as you you venture out and you you know you start your own company and you get into other situations sometimes i think there's there's some some embarrassment where people are like oh i, I kind of wish i knew the answer to these things or I, I wish i understood this but but where do you where do you get that and i heard you you mentioned at the beginning that you you also have a product sort of for kids. Um, is that is that tied to the financial literacy and the, and your viewpoint about how the importance of financial literacy? you know, can't start too early. Is that where exactly, that's exactly
0: it? That's exactly it. And like, and and one of the things that I find, like the, the clients that I end up working with is like, there really is that shame, like what you're talking about, like that exists. And I think what people need to realize and remember is like in large corporations or in large government organizations and large entities, these people are supported with entire teams of accountants, helping them make sense yeah. of this
1: information. Yeah.
0: And when you're the only one running a business, like it is normal for you to not know some of these things. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I think it, it can't start early enough. For me, it was my daughter is seven years old. And so she's been watching me over the last year and kind of seeing that I've been venturing into my own business. And And I think it's kind of made her a little bit curious. So she started a lemonade stand. You know, she had some oh, neighbors. Fun. Yeah, it was yeah. cute, right? You know, neighbors. Yeah came by and they they kind of were able to, you know, she, she made a little bit of money from it. It was really neat. But what I found as being a parent, there's, there's nothing out there that I could use to really help her start to learn about profit and help her learn about all of these different, it, it was just this perfect, teaching opportunity and I realized that there was no tools out there for me to be able to help her um kind of like it was it was a perfect teaching opportunity and I felt like I just didn't have anything to be able to really help her learn or help her yeah. kind of translate this opportunity so yeah so it's it's been pretty exciting it just it just launched um really in the in the last week and it's um it's a lemonade stem game is is the concept behind it and it uses that to be able to teach kids uh, 18 different concepts around financial literacy, entrepreneurship, you know, accounting, but accounting in a way that kind of makes sense for kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, And it's relatable
1: to, you know, to a lemonade stand that every kid, you know, will understand, yeah.
0: Exactly, so we kind of take something like, you know, wages and salaries, which is not the term that people use whenever they actually talk. And we're like, well, what if you had a little brother or a little sister helping you with the lemonade stand and you're going to pay them some money? That's wages and salaries. Or, you know, how do we just use really, really, um, like, bright colorful tangible examples from a knit lemonade stand to help people start getting introduced to these terms so that the hope is as they get older it's not an intimidating language that they're like oh, I don't know what this is you know yeah. So, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah just socializing the concepts early on in a way yeah. that's you know age appropriate and then presumably as they if they take an interest in it and want to do something on their own they' they've at least got some of those uh, those basic skills and, and and that language to be able exactly. to, to speak that. I want to pick up on that concept of the of sort of the language and the, and maybe, you know, some of that, that shame. And so if I'm an entrepreneur and I'm running my, my business, maybe I, you know, understand that I need to have a balance sheet and I kind of intuitively understand what profit and revenue and, you know, like expenses and those kinds of things are, but, but many of those financial concepts aren't really intuitive to entrepreneurs, right? Like they can, they can be guided by their accounting, uh, professionals and they can be sort of taught the metrics that they need. But if they had a better understanding of sort of the, the bigger financial literacy uh, concept, how do you think that that would translate into them making maybe different decisions or, or you know, reporting or measuring things a bit differently in a way that translates. Like how do you bridge the gap between the actual, like this is your profit, or this is your revenue, or these are your expenses, and the metrics that you need to set up in order to be able to monitor and then make changes if necessary for those businesses. Like what's the, how do we take the very technical accounting language and translate it into, well, I make widgets or I sell a service, (laughs) and how do I, what should I be looking for so that i can you know know that i'm on a growth path or whatever the case is is there is that something that you you deal with
0: it is it totally is right and so i think the challenge right now that i see is like there's a lot of information out there that will teach people what is a cash flow statement what is a balance sheet but it's, there's really not as much information out there that helps someone translate to say, okay, what is a cash flow statement? And so what, how does that help me ultimately? Right. Why does it matter? More money, right? Like, yeah. or how does that kind of drive something? And so I think kind of my mantra is always like the, so what, so how do I use this particular information? I really believe that financial literacy is a prerequisite to long-term profitability. So I don't yeah, believe that a company can really, Like you you just, you won't, you may for a short time period be able to through sheer luck or or whatever, be able to be profitable in the short term if you have a really, really hot selling product, but without financial literacy, you're going to You have have to make so many decisions when you're running a business and really a lot of them are around making sure that your cost structure is appropriate to the business that you're running and your pricing and your revenue is is appropriate. So without financial literacy, you're just at risk of kind of making decisions blindly. So you won't really know, um, you know, one of the things that I think people struggle with a lot is like, how much should I spend on marketing and how do you make decisions? And when.
1: Right. When when is the right time? Yeah. Yeah. I get a lot of those questions from entrepreneurs where they say, maybe I've set it up. Maybe I have proof of concept and I'm now moving into a growth stage. What do I do next? And I'm like, "Uh, probably not talk to me. Right. Like, (laughs) You need to talk to somebody, uh, some HR professionals, some accounting people. And and I think that all the various puzzle pieces are hard for people to know the sequence in which, you know, on which to, to next execute.
0: Exactly. The sequence is so important. And also, I think, kind of where I think that finance is underutilized but could be far better utilized for people is if you're trying to grow your business, you're going to be looking at a whole range of different marketing and, and growth and sales strategies. The challenge is that if you go to a, um, let's say, a search engine optimization expert, they're going to tell you, spend your money on search engine optimization. If you yeah, of Facebook course Facebook ads, they're going to say, yep. you need more Facebook ads. You know, if you do Google yep. AdWords, like everyone is yep. really going to be incredibly, not even intentionally biased, potentially sometimes totally biased, but in other cases, it's just, you only know what you know. And so yep, we, people I think can get a little bit more benefit from the financial side is that it's it's impartial. It's kind of looking at you have limited resources to spend on marketing, sales, and growth of your business. How are you guys going to deploy that capital to be able to grow your top line revenue? And the reality is a search engine optimization person isn't going to tell you, hey, you would actually do better with you know pursuing partnerships or pursuing a, a PR strategy. Or, or like Everyone kind of knows their own world and they have blinders around it. And that's where kind of being able to look at the bigger picture of your company and the bigger picture of, you know, we always have constrained time and we always have constrained money. How do you use those resources best to grow your top line, top line revenue, but also your your bottom line profit as well? So, yeah.
1: Imagine that that part of that like um you know that conversation or when you're digging to find out um, information from an entrepreneur so that you can help them grow that top line and help them control their expenses i imagine that that the conversation around timing is also really important so for example if you you know if you are profitable and you're going to have a tax bill you need to make sure that your cash flow this sort of goes back to your cash flow statement and the, the timing of when will those investments or those you know the the pay the, the, the marketing investment for example Or the tax bill, or whatever, like you still need to be uh, forecasting that appropriately, so that you can really execute on on the the path, or or, sorry, on the plan. Um, And if you're on a growth path, obviously, that aspect of the timing, I think, goes back to your comment around the financial literacy and just understanding maybe the bigger, the, the broader landscape, so that you know the metrics, so you know what to keep your eye on, and so that you're making sure from a timing perspective, you haven't missed something um, critical along the way. Exactly,
0: and that's even more important, I think, with like any business that's in the physical product space or that's right. doing anything capital-intensive, right? Like, and particularly even if we look at what's going on right now, if you're, if you're bringing anything from overseas, shipping time, like you yeah. have a lot of money that's going to be tied up potentially in product inventory, or you might have a lead time associated with, you know, if you want to open a restaurant, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen over a weekend, right? So, so you have a huge aspect of timing that you really need to understand and. I think where a lot of times business owners, they they know that they're going to have to do bookkeeping. So they're inclined to kind of get a bookkeeper or get an accountant to help them look after that piece. And, and while that is important, that is what happened in the past, right? So that's going to be recording accurately the transactions. That right. Historical. Yeah. Historical. But yeah. really the the real, I think, like magic or like the real way where you can actually use finances to make better decisions is to figure out in the like Going forward, future oriented, like how do I best set myself up for this will happen like when will this happen? And how do I make the best sequence of decisions so that the money continues to come in profitably and, and, and in like a recurring, predictable, sustainable way? And that I don't find myself in a situation that, you know, I can't take advantage of an opportunity because all my cash is tied up, or or I can't kind of satisfy some of my obligations to be able to pay back debt. So yeah, I think the future side of it sometimes gets overlooked and and that's kind of not even the fault of an entrepreneur necessarily because when when you are an entrepreneur, you're not an expert in every single area. And so in your mind, you might just think, you know, numbers, accounting, finances, it's like it's one category. And you don't realize that there's this distinction of timing of historic versus future numbers and, and that there's different decisions to be made there. So yeah, it's
1: yeah, for, for for sure. And I also think that it's really important, like as you said, you know, when 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 a company prepares its annual financial statements, that's that's looking backwards. That's you know giving a giving a, a, a recordation of time past and, and how we got to you know to today and that's that's fine. But if you if you don't have your eye on the future, if you don't have your eye on where you're going, number one you might miss an opportunity if there's if there's something that, that comes along. But also so if you implement measures, so let's say your, you know your your annual review, your financials, you're like, oh well, I didn't maybe do as well as I thought I would in this area, or there's some lessons learned. I should put some some uh, steps in place to prevent something or to enhance something, depending on what it is. I think you want to be able to then not wait another year yeah. to evaluate whether the steps that you've taken that you've implemented have actually resulted in in you know a change in the in the right direction and so i think that goes to your earlier comment about having the having the you know you don't know what to look for necessarily but once you do know what to look for you also need to know when to look for it and is that should i notice a difference in 30 days 60 days what what is it and if i don't notice the change that i was anticipating then what do i do about that and i think that's where it's important to have like in a large company you, you could just maybe go to the accounting team and brainstorm some of those solutions whereas in, in the smaller way if you don't have that team surrounding you once you've implemented a change and now you're measuring something i think you need to be able to go back and have a conversation again to say oh well this didn't go as well as i expected yeah. Or, yeah, or or it did yeah, exactly.
0: That's so true. And like part of the reason why we're even called Learning Lab is I really. So one, I think running a business is super tough. It's like there's no denying Like, it's really, really challenging. But I try to view it as every single thing that you're doing is a series of experiments. So it's just the same as if you were working in a science lab, you would come up with your hypothesis and you would say, OK, if I do this, this is the result I think I'm going to get. And so I think at a minimum, what business owners need to be doing is the same the same scientific method with their business so that they put in place this process that at least once a month, they're kind of saying, okay, what was my revenue this month? What was my expenses? What happened? If it wasn't the number that they're super happy and excited about, then, then you kind of create this hypothesis that says, okay, well next month, if I spend this money on this and this on that, etc., what do I think will happen? Have the month run through, come back to those assumptions and either you achieve what you wanted or you didn't, and then you refine it again. But it's this, iterative, kind of creating a hypothesis, implementing it, and then coming back on a regular cadence to say, okay, did the financials give me the result that I thought and hoped that they would? And, And like you were saying, sometimes they'll just be, you know, Yes, I think that the early indicators are saying that my plan was good, it's just that it's going to take more than 30 days to see it materialize. Or the early indicators saying, hey, you might be on the wrong path, maybe try a different plan, come up with a different hypothesis. But if you if you don't ever have that regular cadence of, of coming back and looking at what, like, what are the assumptions around how I'm gonna spend my, my time and my money, because all the like, ultimately, when you kind of I think condense financial literacy, like it comes down at the end of the day to the decisions you're making about how you spend your time and how you spend your money, and whether and how and when they translate into um, profit for your company. So if you're not regularly kind of going through that cycle, you're kind of operating blind, right? You're just basically hoping that if i you know do a whole bunch of social media posts somehow that's gonna just take off and you know maybe it will but if you kind of put a little bit more rigor on it you can give yourself a higher probability of success so
1: yeah i really like that concept and i like the the analogy like you know the the lab concept and sort of like the scientific approach because there's two things to that one it it gives you permission to um to try yeah. and to refine it, right? Because not everything that, that we will try will will work, um, but we shouldn't expect that it will either, right? Like even scientists um, have to come up with a hypothesis and then and then verify that or or not, and then they learn from that. And so I think I think that that's really the right lens um, that entrepreneurs should be should be thinking about. But the other thing that I like about that is that it, it there's a bit of a discipline <clears throat> to the storytelling aspect, right? As opposed to like I want my revenue number to be a million dollars, like. I'm sure everybody does. Yeah. <laughs> but but why? What's the story that goes into you know the components that make up revenue and and what else, you know, what are the expenses and you know, all of those things. Um, and I think I think maybe maybe that's where for many entrepreneurs, there's a gap between, well, I have a cash flow statement, or I have a balance sheet, or I have a revenue number or a target. And then I have my business. And I don't really know how I fit my business into these metrics that the world tells me, or my bank tells me, or somebody tells me that I need to, to, you know, to produce. And so what's the story? What are the inputs? What do I have to do? How do I motivate my team to achieve sort of that you know the, the the metrics that will drive those financial metrics and i think if you don't have that basic underlying um comprehension in financial literacy it's really difficult to bridge that gap and to tell that story whereas what i like even even in your example about the lemonade stand is it's a story and kids can can associate with that or entrepreneurs if if we you know grew this up by you know to to entrepreneurs so moving from little kids to entrepreneurs what what's the language how do you translate the technical accounting speak into okay well you are making widgets or you are providing a service and you need to you know have a margin of this or you need to make sure that for every three customers, whatever the case is, whatever the story is, I think that's where people have, have difficulty bridging the gap between the very technical and the practical. How do you make it come to life for you and for, for your business?
0: In a way, I really wish that we had financial statements that were visual, right? Because right. you first have this barrier of you're putting in place where it's like, revenue salaries and wages cost of goods sold but if you actually translated that and you had a visual income statement for people where you said it's not revenue it's you know it's John Smith your customer that's buying whatever it is that you have screen, right. and it's and you personalize everything. it yeah you personalize it exactly and like wages is not really just wages it's your it's your three staff members and you can kind of you can kind of start to visually take these, because it, it is really abstract, right? And I think that's where people struggle with it is accounting and finance it uses a lot of abstractions. We use a lot of terms that are not common in day-to-day. So what you really need to do is take your own PL statement, your own profit and loss statement, and go line by line and start to figure out Okay, what does cost of goods sold mean for my business? Right, is it, um, you know, if you're a brewery, it's the it's the raw like it's it's the things that you're actually buying, and I think the other thing that people end up Like, I think one of the things that's really, really like part, another reason why, like I always come back to it, but like financial literacy is a prerequisite to profitability because without it, um, there's nothing more common than like a business owner that's super busy and getting really positive feedback from their customers and maybe even like winning different accolades, but they're running a business that's not profitable and you can't do that long-term. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. It's not. And people sometimes don't realize their cost structure, so they might not realize that either what it's costing them to make the product and and ship the product and the customer acquisition cost to be able to actually bring on it, bring on a a customer can be sometimes you, you, yes, you have a mission associated with your business. That's incredibly important, but you're also running it as a business. And so you're not bringing that lens of the accounting into it, then you really run the risk of, of keeping yourself really, really busy, but never really being able to keep the profit that you deserve.
1: Going back to the the sort of storytelling and the the translation and bridging the gap between the very technical and sort of what you do in your day-to-day or what an entrepreneur does in their day-to-day business, is that, is it fair to say that, you know, one one of the things that you bring to the table is to be that translator? So, if, so so for example, if I was an entrepreneur and I'm working with my accounting team and I simply don't have the financial literacy at this point to have a meaningful conversation with my account, is that something that you would you could run interference on to, to speak the language of the accountants on the one hand and speak the language of the entrepreneur on the other?
0: Exactly. That's. I think that really is one of the strengths that we kind of bring, right? So there's incredibly talented. So I'm a CPA, and, and I know so many incredibly talented CPAs out there, and they are great at being able to minimize your tax bill, or they can kind of come up with you know complex structures to do different things, and and that'll be really valuable for your business. But what they're not necessarily trained to do is storytelling, right? And so right, right. One of the things that I've really even even personally pursued quite a bit has been studying. and and reading and getting access to everything I possibly can, specifically on the concept of storytelling, because there's a different skill set associated with knowing numbers and knowing the accounting side of things versus being able to translate that to non-accountants. And so so that's exactly, I think, the, the sweet spot. And there really does need to be this translation. Like There really does need to be that in place, because if you look at the statistics right now, like Canada needs more entrepreneurs and we need more entrepreneurs that are Running businesses profitably. It's important right. for right. Our, our society. It's critical for it. And right now, the, the statistics I mean, it depends on what source you're, you're looking at, but the reality is a majority of businesses are actually not profitable, they're not making money. And and it's heartbreaking because you know that the people that went into these businesses, like they're they're passionate people that are really trying to do good in the world. And and all that they need is this like bridge, this gap of someone to be able to say, okay, you didn't realize, but this, this and this. And, and sometimes it's just a small little tweak that um, it, it doesn't mean to kind of get financial literacy it doesn't have to be, you know, oh, you need to go to, do, you know, an undergrad accounting degree and spend four years learning all about it. Like, it's just these milli, millimetre adjustments that people need to be able to take the Take their tax forms or take their GST reports or take their PL and just have someone be able to say, okay, it looks scary, it looks intimidating, but actually, did you know? Da, 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 da. And they start to realize. And, and I think that small little bit of momentum can really help them along where they're like, oh, you know, my eyes used to glaze over when I saw this and I was really scared of it. And you start to realize, like, oh, like I can get this and I can understand it. I just needed someone to, to translate, right? To, to yep. translate. Yep accounting is a language we just need a translator in between so yeah
1: yeah and they and i think i think also so so number one for sure you know language is is really important and and speaking to them so whether you're speaking to the cpas who really want to talk tax or they want to talk you know technical fine Mm -hmm. or speaking to the entrepreneurs who probably 99 times out of 100 don't want to talk tax experts or talk yeah. technical. They also don't want to talk law by the way. Uh, <laughs> but having having that bridge and and being able to you know to talk on on both sides number one takes away so much of the the you know the scariness of it and the intimidation factor. But it also I think extends the olive branch to say, it's okay. You don't need to know this entrepreneur. There's nobody is judging you and it's, it's okay. Just like you might not be the SEO expert, you might hire an SEO expert. You know, this is a, this is okay. Like we're here to help you and we're we're on your team and we're, you know, we're really here to kind of bridge that gap. So I love the, I love the imagery of sort of the storytelling um, because you don't tell a story in isolation, in a vacuum, right? And so you need to have the audience and you need to know what the story is and you need to be able to sort of keep that, keep that alive. Um so going back to the YouTube um, uh portion that you were alluding to at the beginning, is that, is that what, like, I know we've talked about the kid one, but for the entrepreneurs in the other stories is, is that sort of, have you used a storytelling approach to, you know, tell, to, to provide the in the, in the YouTube suite of, of uh, offerings as well?
0: Yeah. So the, the YouTube channel kind of started as a little bit of a passion project. So it's just finance learning lab on YouTube. And I kind of just started it, not quite sure where I was going to take it, but for me, um, like, I was taking my daughter to the movies. And when I go to the movies, I think I must see the the movie theater and the cinemas just differently than other people. So for me, I was just like, okay, Lydia, grab my little video here. And so we're here watching like a kid's movie and then poor little thing, I have her like filming me as I'm talking about and (laughs) and like, here's like the audio visual and you see like the little candies that you're eating and the popcorn, you know, this is their inventory and the property and plant and equipment falls under this section of it, like, but it's it's kind of looking at all it's really just like a lens that you can kind of almost like look at the world to kind of say all the things that we see out into the world it has an accounting word and name associated with it and when you look at it that way you're like okay that's not so bad um and we've done some other ones where it's just you know like Pizza, everyone can understand pizza. So, how do you use a simple pizza analogy? We all kind of understand the business model of a pizza or a pizza parlor. So, how do how about we kind of instead of always talking about profit and loss statements in these really abstract terms about, you know, profit and cost of goods sold and et cetera and gross margin, why don't we just talk about it in terms of like, you know, the, the dough and the pepperoni and, you know, yep. the people that are working and the waiters and waitresses. Right. So I right, right. tried to put a, a fun spin on it and and really taking abstract concepts and abstract ideas and showing people that you actually do know financial literacy. You just needed a bit of like a pizza example or a movie theater example to say, right. oh, I get it. I, it was I just do understand. terms I didn't
1: know how to associate. So where can our listeners find your YouTube channel yeah. and where can they find out more about the Finance Learning Lab generally?
0: For sure. Okay, so our YouTube channel is they can just simply do a Google search. Um go anywhere on YouTube or on Google and just put Finance Learning Lab YouTube and we'll be the, the first to show up on there. So we're continuously adding new content to it and um always looking for ideas. So if you're an entrepreneur out there and you're kind of like, gee, I wish someone would talk about topic XYZ, I'm oh, always yeah. on the lookout for it for sure. Um, And then our website is simply Lab.com. And that is where we're selling the lemonade stand game for kids. And it's also uh, for entrepreneurs out there that are interested in kind of becoming a a client of ours. We have really transparent pricing on there. Um, We don't want people to kind of feel like, oh, is this thing I can afford? We've really tried to come up with a package that works for particularly that sweet spot of like you're running your business, but you're not quite like hitting the like the big dollars that you you don't feel you don't want to be spending thousands of dollars on no right. cfo support but you know that you need help making sense of your numbers so yeah and we have tons of free free learning resources on our website too we've really tried to put um like a gst pop quiz and really tried to kind of create some interactive e-learning that um, people can access for free that they can really just start to educate themselves on these topics and um, yeah that's kind of what you can find on there Oh,
1: perfect. Well, thank you so much. This has been really, really fun and uh, really, I think, helpful. It will be really helpful for entrepreneurs to really understand what I think are two different worlds, the technical, the tax, the accounting and sort of how they run their business and really to think about bridging the gap between the two in a way that helps them ultimately yeah. achieve their goal, which is profitability and you know long-term sustainability of the company. So thank you so much for taking time. Thank you. I'm
0: excited to be here. And thank you for saying that finance could be quasi-fun. So I feel like that was a good... <laughs> I
1: was a like, good success. This this coming from the lawyer where, where I think <laughs> in law school we learned that law uh, that fun law is the profession that fun forgot. So, you know, <laughs> I think accounting can join can join. Exactly. Us we're we're in well. the same club. <laughs> That's right. Thank you for joining the podcast today. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe or follow to get notified when we have an update.